back to the Freewheeling Podcast. I am Abby Mickey, and I am joined by, as always, Lauren Rowney. Lauren, hello. Hello. G'day, g'day. Amy Jones. Hello. Sounding a bit rough. Sounding like I feel today. (laughs) And still, like, a little bit echoey. I'm guessing that's because you're still in an empty apartment. Basically, yeah. (laughs) What? (laughs) The joys of moving. (sighs) Hey, at least you have internet, right? No. <laughs> oh shit, they still haven't come. No. What is that? One Same. month? Mm, yeah, pretty much. Well, one of these days. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Fingers crossed. We don't have a ton to talk about today, but we do have some pretty big news. The Tour de France Femme route was announced, so we're going to go over that a little bit. Get excited for July, all the way out here in October. We've got a little bit of transfer news. The British National Championships finally happened after one and a half years of not happening. And I chatted with Kate from Zwift about Zwift's sponsorship of the Tour de France Femme. So that'll be at the end of the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Zwift. Trying to do intervals outside can be tricky. You can get held up by stoplights or a parked car. Training on Zwift is completely uninterrupted. Nothing to get in the way of powering through your toughest intervals. On Zwift, you're free to focus on the job at hand, your fitness, with perfect training roads free of any interruptions. Although Zwift can't control your cat wanting to go outside or a family member needing help opening a jar. So you can never really be uninterrupted. But at least you know, while you're training, the roads will be clear. Thanks so much to Zwift for sponsoring this episode. It makes riding inside if you have a baby really easy because, you know, you have that moment when you think if I duck out for like 10 minutes, is that irresponsible? I'm just joking. <laughs> um, no. Do you just put the monitor like in front of you and when he's sleeping? Pretty much. Yeah. Mm. You just carry it around the house. And mm. we're for the moment until our new house is built, we're in quite a big old house. So in some parts of the house, the monitor doesn't quite reach. Mm. You're like, oh, the baby's being quiet. Oh, no, it's, <laughs> it's not linked up. Oh, God. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, thanks so much to Swift for sponsoring this and, you know, many of our podcast episodes. Let's chat Tour de France route. So the route was announced for the Tour de France, eight stages. How should we get through this? Should we just start at stage one? I think we should just start at stage one. Stage one on the Champs-Élysées, 82 kilometers of uh, pretty flat. So we're going to start off with a sprint. Nothing wrong with that. The next day is also pretty flat. Uh, I'm going to butcher like every single town name. So I apologize in advance. Does anyone speak French? Here on this podcast? Nope. I would have pointed at Amy because it seems like a lot of British people speak French, but that's me probably generalizing. We're all three like from English speaking countries, which means that school systems failed us. Yeah. I speak we'll Spanish, that. but that doesn't help for this, I'm afraid. No, but you could like Spanishize the French words. I'm not sure if that adds or takes away from. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, so the second stage starts in Mu, M-E-U-M-E-A-U-X. That's a lot of no. vowels. Like, no. 
You know sure, what we, yeah. we should have done is got Hannes to come up here because Belgians speak every language, it seems, and he could have just, we could have inserted the French pronunciations. Wait, let me go yell off the balcony if anyone's out there who speaks French. I'll get it. <laughs> we fixed our problem of not having anyone on this podcast speaking French. And while we have someone who can speak French, I'm just going to power through the towns that all of the stages start in, and then we'll get to the details. So... Stage two of <laughs> the Tour de France Femme starts in... Moi to Provence. So that's stage two. Stage three is... Rem to Epernay. Stage four? Troy to Bar sur Aube. Stage five? Bar le Duc to Sande de Bos... Bos... I don't know, actually. <laughs> stage six? Bos or something. Sainte de Bourges, so the previous town mm. where we finished. Yeah. Rogem. Sage 7, I think this one may have autocorrected. Yeah. <laughs> Celestat to Le Marxstein. And stage 8. Leur to. Super Planche de Belfi. Planche de Belfi. Thank you very much. You can exit now. The, I feel like I'm in a French class. Side note, the <laughs> pronunciations are probably not so good. Yeah, but you speak French, so they're better than we would have done anyway. All right, so thank you Bye so much, Toms, for that cameo. Um, we Now we can power into the, the details. So, yeah, stage one, 82 kilometers, pretty straightforward, flat. Um, after the men finished, the women will take on the Champs-Élysées. And I don't, I don't have a ton to say about the first stage. It seems like a pretty straightforward opening to the Tour de France Femme. What do you guys think? Well, we've watched this before a few times, right? No, it's quite um, fitting, I think, that they've put it, that, that they've added this stage because it's kind of full circle. Like La Course, that was like the first few editions of La Course, which was a bit shit. Um and it kind of, come on, it started in 2014, which was supposed to be this drive towards having a Tour de France for women. And it's taken them until now to do it. So, yeah, it's kind of an accidental homage to their slow progress in a way. True. Although that one year when it poured rain and it was like an ice skating rink and you were just watching and girls were just like falling left, right and center the year that Anna, uh, Anna Vanderbregen won. I that was that pretty. Deal. That was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I survived the whole race, and I was like, yes, I've done it. And then last kilometer, boof, big crash. I think twenty no. people finished. I I think that was twenty fifteen. Uh, yeah, if I'm right. Yeah. Um. Anyway, stage two, one hundred and thirty-five kilometers, also flat, but there is like a slight kicker to the finish. So a stage that really suits kind of the punchy sprinters, um, but another kind of easy, you know, uh, pretty much stage one, stage two, great opportunities for the leader's jersey to sta- change hands twice through for those two stages, which we love to see. Mm-hmm. Stage three is 133 kilometers with some small kickers near the end. So a, it's a action-packed kind of final... 20 kilometers ish there's just some really small climbs peppered in throughout the final uh however long of the race so that's gonna be really exciting to watch um 
especially since we only get the final two hours of the race live. So at least they included, you know, they ba- they backpacked it. They backpacked the action. <laughs> Backloaded it, yeah. Yeah. Um, stage four is when it kind of starts to pick up speed a little bit. There's a bunch of small climbs loaded in the back end, and it's downhill to the finish. They're bigger than the stage three climbs, not so big as the stage five climbs. So the whole narrative of the race seems like it starts flat, And then it kind of builds in momentum throughout the stages, which is an interesting way to do it. And also, I mean, I don't think it's a bad way to do it. I think it means that we're going to see a lot of jerseys changing hands. We're going to see a lot of different people winning and that's a exciting race. So yeah, stage four, just a little bit more climbing than stage three. Stage five is when it really starts to kind of pick up. It's 175 kilometers climbing scattered throughout the whole stage with a long flat run into the finish after like a 1.5 kilometer long climb. The talking point from this stage, I think is the fact that it's 175 kilometers. I feel like we've kind of made our, uh, opinion on longer races known that it's not, super necessary. <laughs> but what do you guys think of this 175 kilometer long stage? No, 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 I'm just I'm just looking at it and thinking it's just yeah, they've whacked in an extra 40k pretty much on top of all the other stages in a sense. I I don't know if it's something to do with the fact that um you know, one town has obviously been bidding for it and then they couldn't find a solution to make this stage shorter. Is that what it would be? I haven't actually, it's, it's point to point. I know that area, I can't pronounce it, the Voskis um, is very hilly because a lot of Belgian people go there to ski and um, it's the closest sort of mountain pass for us. So I'm expecting that actually that stage could be um, quite a good one for say like I could see a Lucinda brand going on a stage like that, not being scared of the distance. Um, but like we've said before, whenever we've seen really long races, Peloton's really hesitant until about 100K to go. So I'm curious to see how this sort of plays out considering they already have four days in their legs um, and it could be a potential place to make time. Kind of what happened at the Giro Rosa uh, to last year. When there was that 170k stage, and after the race, most of the riders were kind of like, "That was a little bit boring." Even Lizzie Banks, who won the day, was like, "We don't need races this long." But interestingly, I was just reading um, a piece on Catherine Bertine's ideas on on the course, and obviously, she was one of like the initial instigators for La Course and like trying to get a a women's Tour de France back and she actually was advocating for longer days like she basically wants like total parity with the men's race well that's kind of of what she was saying it's like it's not equal but like I mean who actually enjoys or who really wants those like 200k days in the men's tour and it will be, like you said, Lauren, to do with whatever town has paid to have the race uh, finish or start. 
it's probably yeah and interestingly actually it also goes above the 160k limit set by the UCI Mm -hmm. so how do they get around that actually apply to the UCI and be like we want this 175 kilometer long stage and then the UCI is like approved yeah it's it's funny yeah that's probably the only thing from the whole course that I just big question mark over I don't think it was necessary at all and I'm surprised that Catherine Bertrand would want longer stages and like complete parody because like you said Amy and Abby before no one wants that the fans don't no, want it and yeah, the writers I, certainly don't. Amy was saying that and we were both shaking our heads because we've been pretty firm in the sand as far as like not having those longer stages. The, because they happen so rarely, the women just, well, not saying they don't know how to race them, but they don't, they don't need to know how to race them because they don't happen. They happen like once a year and they're just, I feel like they're just unnecessary because what makes women's racing exciting exciting is the shorter stages. So I, I don't think we want to be like the men. We don't want to be like the men. We don't want complete, like we don't want across the board equality, <laughs> long stages and everything. We can be just as exciting, if not more exciting than the men in terms of the actual racing action with the shorter stages. And I feel like that's what's important. What's important is the show that's put on, not the numbers on paper of how long the course, the the stages and how much climbing there is. It's the racing that actually happens. Is it exciting? Is it worth watching? Do we need those long stages? Probably not. Yeah. It was interesting, like, when the route came out to see kind of people who maybe don't follow women's cycling sort of saying like oh why isn't it three weeks long like without really fully understanding the dynamic of the women's peloton and also the in truth like lack of depth for or like desire even for that sort of length of of race like there's no there aren't enough it, the fact is there aren't enough riders who would be capable of racing across three weeks. And also, it, it well, it was interesting to hear those comments coming from, from her because she obviously does know women's racing. But, um, yeah, she said, why not make one of those days 195Ks or 200Ks to say, yes, we believe that the women can do the same as the men. Adding two of those days in an eight-day race would be comparable to the five offered in the three-week men's race, which I think, yeah... I don't think anyone really wants to see that. No. I mean, for me, it's not a case of the women not being able to do it. I'm quite sure, considering how much the level has risen over the past, I would say, even three, four years, it's just incredible. The depth is there and it's just growing and growing. So I have no doubt the women would get through it, but it would be one hell of a boring stage. And if we're really honest about the Tour de France, out of the three Grand Tours, for me, it's the least exciting one. Um, and also, a lot of those long days are boring to watch. Um, you know, some of the really exciting mountain stages are great, but you never really tune in for the full 200 kilometers, do you? And you want a race to be so exciting start to finish that 
people want to watch it start to finish. So I don't think it's no, I don't agree with that. I I really don't agree with two. She wants two two hundred kilometer long stages. No, I don't. If any, if anything's from missing side. from this from this race, it's a time trial, not a two hundred k stage. Yep, a flat time trial, not an like uphill some one, kind of rolling time trial, a time trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, yeah, people said oh they're missing huge mountain passes uh but but that's also we talked about that during the uh Saratizit challenge by La Vuelta that that those huge mountain passage passes just like neutralize the whole race and kind of eliminate a ton of the players with a shorter punchier race like we've got and still stages seven and eight include huge climbs and are going to be super uh decisive those two days but the way that they've built out this race i, I think it opens the door to a lot of other riders than just Anamik van bluten and i think that's great yeah mm-hmm. yep like you said i think the the jersey is going to be changing hands a fair bit which is fantastic um and then really it's going to come down to the last two days. And, of course, that final stage with the finishing climb up. How do you say it? Planche de Belle. There we go. You nailed that. Um, I don't know if you've raced up there, Abby. No, but I remember there was a race that Evelyn Stevens won that finished yeah, at the top. The 2012 Route de France. Um, so I raced it with her that year, and it's, it's a hard climb. That will be a really exciting finish. Do you guys remember which of the stages has the gravel? I think it's stage six. But I mean, whichever stage it is, I think it's great that that's in there. Ooh, I disagree. Oh, really? Ooh. No, I just think it's good that they're like mixing it up for the women's race, that they're not sort of being tame about it, you know? Like, I mean, as much as like, go on. No, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I guess like, I kind of agree. I. The gravel in the Giro last year was incredibly dangerous and not okay. But the gravel for this one, a couple of the live racing women went out and pre-rode it, and it looks pretty tame. Like, it looks pretty manageable. If the weather is nice, then it'll be just kind of a an extra challenge that day. But I think if... If there's a huge crash because of the gravel, if someone is taken out of the GC because of a mechanical, if there's something like that, that, you know, we want to see the best riders racing the final two stages. And if something affects, if the gravel affects them and they're not there to fight for those final two stages, then I think that kind of sucks. Yeah, for sure. But I, I mean, the gravel in the Jira. Giro- they were talking about the Giro Rosa, right? Yeah, Not yeah. the men's. Yeah, because they did have that this year, right? In the men's race. Um, but we don't talk about that. Yeah, but the, um, the women's race where the gravel was just like. So, yeah, I saw yeah. that firsthand and it was ridiculous. Like, it was it was stupid. Like, there were, it was too much. Um, and it was, like, all uphill as well. Well, most of it was uphill. Um, but I think this one looks a bit more just kind of like it looks well when they rode it like it wasn't really gnarly like it was just like gravel roads i mean i went out on saturday and rode like strada bianchi gravel yeah 
I mean, I went on a ride on Saturday and rode my road bike on gravel roads most of the day. And if I can do it, and I'm a chopper when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> um, I mean, God, I need to be nicer to myself, don't I? Um, <laughs> You're really mean to yourself. I need to. I need to go riding with you, so then you can feel really good <laughs> yeah, about yourself. Yeah. Um, Mm. Anyway, kind of. Anyway, well, I think if it's not like really I'm ridiculous and gnarly, and it isn't going to be like decisive because of crashing or whatever, I think it's a good addition because it's like the Champagne region as well. So it's like this iconic part of France, and I don't know. I think it adds a bit of spice, but in a good way. Like a, it's it's you know they're not saying like oh you ride around the Champs Elysees because you can't do anything else. Like you know that's a rough road to ride on. It's horrible. Well, yeah, there's also that. I was, as I was saying that, I was thinking there's fucking... I had an idea, place. though. Imagine if the first stage had been actually, like, a prologue around the Champs-Élysées. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would have been really good. Why not? I would have been down for that. Mm-hmm. I love a prologue. You get to see every single rider. It's, like, a parade of sorts. It's usually whoever <laughs> wins that is usually not going to win the overall. I, I think it's great. Take note. Although if it's only an eight-stage race and there's a prologue, then yeah, it's kind it of a away. waste of a stage. Yeah. Uh, so stage six. That's true. 128 kilometers with climbing from the very beginning. Nothing major, but it's just kind of like from the gun, they start going up, and then there's a 1.3-kilometer climb about 10-ish K from the finish. Like There's still a run into the finish, but I think – the way that that stage looks uh, topography-wise, that's a word, um, it's, going, <laughs> it's going to be kind of a small group that, that makes it to the finish that day, I think. Also, still can't remember which stage the gravel is, but I'm pretty sure it's that day. Stage 7 is kind of the first really decisive general classification day with a 9.3 kilometer long climb followed by 7.1 followed by 13.5 kilometers with a seven ish kilometer long descent to the final to the um finish so that's Ouch. kind of a <laughs> the final day is obviously super planche de belfi but stage seven is like boom 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 huge climb after huge climb so that's going to be that's going to be a huge day what's interesting about seven um is that the final climb was the first okay i'm gonna need to get this right it was like the first categorized climb that they included ever in the tour de france Hmm. in like 1905 or something that's awesome which is to say that like in addition to the gravel they do seem to have put like actual thought into this Mm -hmm. um never thought i'd be defending aso but here we are i think though like um yeah it's because Zwift is really behind this and I, they really mm-hmm. want to put on a good race. So it's not, I don't think yeah. it was just, hey, ASO put a race together. Certainly not, because if that had been the case, I don't think we would have had such such a race to look forward to. Yeah. So that, that must come agree. from definitely from the sponsors behind it and the, the other people involved in running the race. Mm-hmm. But it's nice they're including a bit of a history there. And like you said, Amy, at the start, the fact they're starting on the Champs-Élysées, it's gone for full circle. Mm-hmm. So. Build on the Zwift comment. Like, I think they're not going to want to put their name on, like, 
any old rubbish like parkour or just a race that was like you know a token gesture which is what I mean yeah what's the common denominator here like this race has been made and built and it's actually like had thought put into it and then you know it was in ASO's hands here we go I'm going back on what I said before now it was in ASO's hands before and all they could do was like horse and now Zwift have come on board and it's actually a proper race so Mm -hmm. and I mean in terms of history stage eight the 123 kilometer long stage two that finishes on the planche de belfi i mean that's an iconic climb as well so Mm -hmm. that's um where wiggins and froom i think yeah we go let out froom and he took the win right or vice versa no vice versa yeah the whole Hodge and Rodge situation a few years yeah ago. the time trial oh, there you go the, yeah okay that's enough men's cycling we got off we, half of that was probably wrong because we don't <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely was the time trial that yeah Roglic was winning was in the leader's jersey and then Pogacar just like Pogacar just like demolished that time trial Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, it's not like that's the only climb in the day. There's three major climbs, and that is the the final of the three, seven kilometers long, and is going to be a really awesome finish. What do you guys think about the fact that they've kind of like built every single stage to be more challenging? That they kind of started with the Champs and then the final, the very very final of the race is a mountaintop. That they've really like. Yeah, I I feel like I have never seen this before, <laughs> where a race is not kind of scattered throughout. You know, a sprinting stage, a like medium climb stage, another sprint stage, a time trial, a big climbing day. I've never seen it like a sprint stage, a sprint stage with some climbs, a sprint stage with some more climbs, a day with some gravel, but also more climbing, and then kind of building to be a mountaintop. I've never seen it. No, I think it's brilliant because if we think about past conversations we've had where I don't know if it was the Giro this year or last year, I'm losing my mind. Where it was this year. Oh, it was this year. The GC was decided, boom, stage yeah. two. Yeah. And then we complained the whole time. So I think it's great. Like, no. Rightly well, so. Rightly so. <laughs> this is building, 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 building. And then, you know, you've got this final stage, which is is iconic. And it's just going to be who has got the legs and who is the best climber on the day and who has a strong team around them. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, remember the duo where we were literally just like two stages in. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it on. Yeah. It's way better. I mean, the, I said this on the weekly podcast and I'm sticking to it. It kind of doesn't matter what the race what the stages look like this race has been anticipated for so long by the women's peloton and wanted for so long by cycling across the board the peloton fans sponsors we've wanted this for so long that i think they could have done eight completely flat stages and they would have been exciting because the women are going to be racing their absolute hearts out yeah Yeah. and we we have to get to some of those stages side note (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Yes, please. But yeah, I mean, you saw how much it meant to them all when they were at the presentation, like all the writers, they're looking like so excited, like taken seriously for once, like included in this like 
iconic race. I completely agree. Like, okay, fine. It would not have been great if they just put like eight stages around the Champs Elysees <laughs> or like, you know, like really short, rubbish, like half assed versions. But yeah, it's more about the symbolism than anything else. Mm-hmm. And symbolism wise, so. like, Yes, maybe the prize money could have been a little bit more, um, but it's still not terrible. Um, it's, yeah, I mean. And also, side note, you can't compare an eight-day stage race to a three-week long. No, because you can't. Because someone went on a rant on Twitter and a journalist just. That's just, what? Someone went on a rant on Twitter? <laughs> that never happens. Never seen that before. Yeah, and that was basically what the journalist turned around and said. An Australian woman just said, well, you know, we've been fighting for this for so long and actually it's a really awesome race they put together. So stop focusing on bloody prize money for once and just focus on all the good stuff that's been done with this race. Those people were really upset that we didn't um, get super pissed at Perry roubaix for having equal prize money. I mean, I of course, I think they should have equal prize money. And of course, it's like a really easy thing to point to and be like, oh, inequality. But the thing that was more important to me on the day was the fact that there was a women's race and that it was freaking yeah. awesome. And the only complaint that I had was that we didn't have live coverage start to finish. I, I honestly, mm-hmm. it's not that I didn't think about the prize money, but it was not top of my list of like things that I was, that came out. Like, I don't think any of the women look at the prize money and are like, this is the only takeaway. And, uh, and it's not the races. So this pisses me off about the prize money debate. It's like most of the time, maybe the ASO is different because they have more money than any other race organizer on the planet. But for other races, like they, other races that have a men's and a women's equivalent, there are actual rules in place for how much money the men need to get paid in the prize money. And that doesn't exist on the women's side. So why are we not pointing to the UCI and saying, this is your problem. You need to figure out how to fix this and not and like ripping apart the race organizers who are, I mean, specifically Flanders Classics, who do an incredible job of like promoting the women's racing and having adequate live coverage. And then like they just get ripped apart for prize money. And it's like, no, 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 wait. This is the UCI's fault. (laughs) This is like... Can we just, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. This is like this. The it always comes debate, back I'm to the like, UCI. Or the ASO. Or yeah, the yeah. ASO. <laughs> but like, that's the thing is like with the prize money thing with Pyre Bay, like what's more sustainable, like what's better for the long-term future of women's cycling? Having a race like Pyre Bay or having a race like Pyre Bay with equal prize or having equal prize money at every single race or like the reason that we didn't mention prize money is because it's the same and we've already covered it a million and one times. Yeah. And there's only so many times you can bang the same drum and go around the same bit. Like we did this with Omelette earlier in the season. Like that was done to death. And like we got through, we got every side of that argument. And eventually it does come down to like, there isn't an unlimited supply of money for all of these events. And would you rather have the event? And I know that sounds like, and this is actually the other opposite side to what I came down on with Omelette, I think. But, like, it is kind of that. Like, as, as shit as it sounds, is a case of, like, do you want this iconic event or do you want us to give you, like, you know, I don't know. 
But I mean, don't get me started on any debate around Pio Rube. We haven't got enough time. We literally we do not. We don't literally have don't time. have time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the only criticism that could come out of this, uh, the announcement of the route, is that there's not going to be live coverage start to finish. They said that already. Yeah. I think I missed that. Okay, well that's shy. It's two hour, two hour packages. <laughs> yeah, two hours of each two each hour stage. packages. Yeah. Mm, okay. And that includes like the the podium and like a bunch of nonsense from the beginning. So at the end of the day, it's like an hour and a half of actual racing coverage, probably. I'd like to know what the reason behind that is because there's no real. I mean, same with Roubaix. Like, what is the reason? There's no. Mm, money resources money also the i would say it's also the broadcasters do they want to show four hours of racing yeah show 200k men's stages i know i know apples and oranges though when it comes to broadcasting right but um i mean I, i think like yeah when it comes to this race it's really dangerous to compare it to the men's I feel can't. like it's you just can't. Yeah, you, you the the men's race has like just years and years and years and years of hype. It's like the most hands down the most popular cycling event in the world. <laughs> we cannot compare That's, the two. Yeah, I mean, even non-cyclists It's more than cycling. Know yeah. what the Tour de France is. You know, it you transcends the sport. Yeah. It does as, as much as I, I hate to say that, but like I knew about it before I even cycled. So same. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was watching it before things. I even put on Spandex for the first time. I was watching the Tour de France every summer. Yeah, my my auntie watches it for for the the scenery. Yeah, same. My mom is like the castles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I um I see how you could compare the two, but I just think we need to kind of treat this race as a new women's race on the calendar that just happens to have you know, a pretty big name behind it. But it's, I feel like if we are just comparing it to the men's Tour de France, then we're going to be disappointed at the end. Exactly. And it's another stage race, not just a race. We're always complaining about the the fact there's not enough stage races. This is another one on the calendar. And potentially a really great one. Yeah. All right. So we got two three more two more pieces of news before we dive into my conversation with Kate and I will power through this because we have less than a minute of recording time left. Arlena Sierra to Movistar, which is I think a totally natural uh completely expected move for her. She's been on Astana. Astana? Well, she's been on Yeah, yeah Astana for like 6 years. Uh, Except for this year Monex. because I don't think it exists. <laughs> Yes, I was going to say, it's Monix, it's A.O. Monix. Yeah, but she was on a stage before that. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, same, same, but just a new name. Um, So she's been on the same team for a really long time. I think this move to Movistar is totally expected and um, excited to see where that goes. Fight for Georgie won the road race at the British National Championships that finally happened, and Anna Henderson won the time trial. So that's... That's it. That's the news. We talked about it. We we probably have like a, a bajillion more hours of Tour de France debate left in us. But for now, I will move into my conversation with Kate from Zwift about Zwift sponsoring the Tour de France Femme. See you guys later. Oh, well done. <laughs> Cheers. Before I dive into my conversation with Kate, the director of women's strategy and content at Zwift, 
This podcast is also brought to you by Richie. Tom Richie started racing bicycles off-road more than 50 years ago. Back then, there was no such thing as gravel-specific frame sets, tires, or handlebars. In fact, all of Tom's early rides in the rough stuff saw him piloting bikes with 23mm tires during all-day adventures in very remote areas. Those experiences, that spirit of adventure, and Tom's decades of riding and innovation still inspire every Richie frame, component, and accessory made today. With dirt in its blood and informed by everyday experiences, Richie has the products you need to enjoy your own adventurous explorations. Richie, built from life. And thank you to Richie for sponsoring this episode. All right. So tell me how Paris was. Wow. It was insane and uh, surreal is like the way I've been describing it. It was so exciting. I didn't quite know what to expect from the the route presentation, you know, Um, and it is so giant and dramatic. And, you know, they start by parading a a bunch of top tier athletes across the age. It's like thunderous applause and, uh, just really cool videos and and just the way that they presented is is really next level so like gets the crowd hyped and to see uh early on um two zwift academy past champions ella uh harris and eve uh bradbury walked across the stage and i just almost fell out of my chair because just to see them on giant stage at this moment was just uh, incredibly overwhelming it was awesome yeah, because for those who have maybe missed my last podcast with you, which I think was over a year ago, um, you have a lot to do with the Zwift Academy, which is an incredible program that you guys run with Canyon SRAM in order to kind of, it's a new stepping stone for women to get into the professional Peloton via Zwift. Yeah, that's like pretty much like the foundation of a lot of our investment in women's cycling, because it started as a women's program. We now also work with Alpha and Phoenix on the men's side and, uh, it's been a, uh, you know, we had our sixth year this year, and I think, you know, upwards of 150,000 participants. Um, and it's cool because it started out as a Google Talent ID program, but it actually ended up building the foundation of what is our Zwift women's community. Um, and that's been super exciting. And then to see them on this stage now and to see Jay Vine, uh, the winner of the men's last year at the Vuelta this year, um, and just crushing it, it's it's come a long way. <laughs> and now Zwift is getting involved in actual real life I mean, an, a momentous bike race that is going to change how women's cycling is in the future. So how did Zwift kind of come on board with the Tour de France Femme? Yeah, this is great because, uh, you know, we have a virtual platform, so we can we can make our own rules in the game, right? So in Zwift, if women's racing is 100% equal to men's. Um, we believe in like 100% parity on platform. So whenever we've had um, the top like top level pro races, everything is equal distance, equal broadcast, equal opportunity, equal prize purse. So uh, during COVID, we worked with the ASO to put on a five-day Tour de France virtual. And um, it was, uh, I mean, it was a huge success. And we did equal for men's and women's. And we even each day, we, we would start with like, we'd start with the women's race the first day and then the men's race we'd start with the next day. So they, they had equal kind of billing um, throughout the five days. It was broadcast in like 130 countries. Um, the prize purses were equal and it was a wild success. And actually 
Um, I think the shorter format suited the women better. They like brought it and it was extremely exciting. There was so like, you know, it just, uh, it, uh, I think it introduced a lot of people to the viability of, uh, and the audience and the appetite for women's racing. So, you know, that, and then that partnership, uh, ASO was super psyched about it. And that kind of, you know, really, you know, uh, built the foundation for these conversations about, uh, this event, you know, the Tour de France Femmevec Swift mm-hmm. and what we could really do together. And, uh, that's how it was kind of born. And now, I mean, to, to see that and to, you know, to see the, the giant screen and the, the Tour de France, like, you know, iconic logo with Avec Zwift and the Zwift logo under it. I like seriously almost died. It's just nuts. So how much say did Zwift actually have in the, in the courses they, that they announced last week? Well, I will tell you that the ASO is the ASO and they, uh, they hold their cards close. We, um, we did, did not like, you know, we have a lot of conversations and we had a lot of confidence that they were speaking to the right people, um, speaking to the women's pro Peloton, speaking to team directors, um, that they put a lot of thought into how they were going to develop this. And that they also, most importantly, hired a women's race director mm-hmm. uh, in Marianne. So that's super exciting. So we kind of, we kind of knew it was going in the right direction, but we were not uh, privy to a lot of the information ahead of time. <laughs> you know, I kind of was like, guys, just tell me a little, like, is there, is there, is there a queen stage? Is there, you know, and it was like, it, it is a very traditional, like, uh, you know, tight organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I'm so they, they, you know, we, we are building this together, but it is, you know, it's a process and, uh, I I'm thrilled with what, uh, they presented as, as the root announcement, uh, last week. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about it, um, in the, in the previous section of the podcast about how excited Lauren and Amy and I are for the route. And I mean, I think the reaction from the women's Peloton was vast, like the vast majority was very, very positive, really, really excited about the way that the courses build on each other to kind of lead up to this incredible finish on La Planche Belfi and how it's going to be a race where it's really wide open, even to the last minute. That's the most exciting thing. I think one of the reasons why the women's pro Peloton is so excited is because they could all envision their team winning a stage because there might be a different winner each one of those stages. It is uh, a proper, challenging, exciting, you know, course for this inaugural event. So how much, uh, how much influence is Zwift going to have, or how much partnership does Zwift have with the race going into kind of next year, but also it's a multi-year deal that you guys have with ASO. Yeah, exactly. So it's a four-year sponsorship. Um, so we will have, you know, a lot of influence on it and a lot of, uh, you know, uh, we're going to help, uh, you know, build the audience. We're going to help, you know, kind of stoke the fire this coming year, you know, through our community, um, you know, through some big campaigns, you know, that are going to, you know, even go across sport because this is not just a moment in women's cycling, it's a moment in sport. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think that, uh, we know the race is going to be great. Like the women are going to bring it. So, I think this opportunity, you know, to finally give the women, you know, the stage in eight days of it, you know, and, and, you know, broadcast all over the world, two hours a day. I think that, you know, we're really going to, we're going to build that audience that's going to translate to, you know, a a more sustainable race, you know, it's going to attract more sponsors, attract, you know, a wider audience, um, you know, just get people on board. 
Yeah, so you guys are kind of setting up the the four year plan for the race to be to build a base kind of and and hoping that it continues to grow after that, regardless of what involvement you have, I guess, after four years, which, you know, that's a long way down the road to kind of try to guess what's going on yeah. then. But this is a starting point. You know, I, we're really excited about, you know, all the details around this first edition, but uh, but it is something to build on each year. Yeah. And we hope to evolve it each year in our partnership. And we're mean- working like directly with them to do that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Does that mean potentially in the future, building it to maybe a 10 day race instead of an eight day? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're going to see what the feedback is this year from the, especially the racers and the teams, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and and see what, what the appetite out there is for, you know, what, what people want to see and, you know, and, uh, the race will evolve, you know, to, to, uh, you know, be a, a sustainable model that, you know, people want to consume, you know, that people want to get behind that they are, you know, you know, following throughout the year. Um, you know, we want this to be the pinnacle race on the calendar to grow each year um, and to, to be a model for other events too. And with Zwift kind of as, as the partner of the race, you can get people involved in the race from all over the world, because I assume there's going to be virtual rides or something that goes along with it, it being Zwift. Oh, absolutely. We have a ton of amazing um, women's ambassadors uh, already on the platform. Um, so we'll be, uh, we'll be hosting a lot of different opportunities to uh, kind of share in the excitement, building up to the race, to ride with the heroes, to cast a light on the personalities. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I mean, you know this really well that that women's uh, women pro cyclists make the best ambassadors because uh, they just generally have more life experience, you know, whether it be like careers, children, uh, you know, uh, they have to work really hard for their sponsorship and they uh, it gives them a lot of dimension and that you just find some absolutely fantastic personalities. And we want to we want to spotlight these personalities and give people a chance to interact with them and a chance to become like really big fans. Like we want, you know, fan favorites and you want people wearing their, their jerseys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And it's not hard to, it's not hard to get that global reach with Zwift involved. I mean, I know firsthand the jumping on Zwift and seeing just the amount of flags in different countries that I see when I'm out doing my Zwift Academy intervals and stuff. And I mean, it's really, it's, it's kind of an incredible partnership. And I think prior to Zwift coming on board with the Tour de France Femme, we, we on the freewheeling podcast are always like slightly skeptical um, of ASO races, but we were saying that with Zwift on board, we are like fully supportive of this race. And we, we think that the, the support that you guys have given the women's Peloton and the amount of backing that you've already shown, um, to the women's side of the sport, it means that this is kind of a, a no brainer of a partnership in terms of like what this race could be in the future. Oh, that absolutely warms my heart to hear because uh, it, it really does. It is at like the core of what we do. Um, and it, and it's just because like we recognize, you know, how great the racing is, how great the personalities are. And we just want more people to see that. And, you know, we have this awesome opportunity as a very progressive platform, you know, to offer our influence, our finance, our, you know, our attention to it. And uh, I'm so proud of us as a company for, you know, kind of what we want to lead in this space. We want, you know, we want to work together, you know, with the whole cycling ecosystem, you know, to, to, to pull this up together, you know, and, and, and to just create more opportunity, you know, and to inspire the next generation. That's the biggest thing. 
we had some fun rides on October 14th where um, we celebrated the announcement by putting everybody in Zwift in the yellow jersey of the actual race, the, the women's yellow jersey. And people were so stoked. And it was one of the cool things to see was just like, you know, men commentating, comment, commenting that, you know, they're so excited to watch the race with their daughters, you know, um, you know, it was, it was just, just in general, like it, it's not, it's not just a women's moment. It is a cycling moment and everybody is uh, very excited to see, uh, to see what happens and just to be a part of this, you know, this inaugural year of this, of this style, this, uh, you know, this edition of the event. Definitely. For, for you, what does the Tour de France mean to you? Oh man, it's the, it's the world's biggest stage, you know, in cycling when it comes down to it, I think they say like 70% of, of cycling, like viewership is on the Tour de France each year. So, and to think that women never really had a real place there. Um, you know, it's, it's iconic. It is dramatic. It's beautiful. It is so many, so much of, of just, you know, the beauty of the sport and, uh, to, to finally have, you know, women have like a, you know, a chance to be invited to that in all its glory. You know, they've had, you know, there's been a lot of work in the past done, you know, to, to get LaCourse done. And there's been a previous edition, but this feels like the real, the first time that it's, you know, all the, the same sort of resources and the same media attention and the same caravan and the iconic jerseys, it feels like the first time that we're giving it a real chance of success and uh, being in it for more than one year is, is really exciting to see that grow over the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it's also like, yes, there was a women's tour de France previously, but it was kind of pre live coverage. It was, it was pre this boom in women's cycling. So it existed, but it's still very, very little is known about it to now the nowadays cycling fans. Whereas the last two years have given us, this huge growth in live coverage of women's racing, which is kind of what we need for the sport to continue to progress. And now that we have all of these races live, we got to watch the first ever Paris-Roubaix. We got to watch, you know, all of these races all summer and all of last year as well. And so it means that there's, there's this, uh, we're kind of sitting on the precipice of what, what could be women's cycling in the future. And, and it's kind of the perfect time for this race to, pop up because it's, it's right when there's a huge chunk of new fans kind of coming in and they just need to watch it. Like they just need to see it and we've got them, you know? Yep. And that's the biggest thing we can all do is just tune in. You know, um, I think you'll remember this 2018, the best stage of the tour de France was La Course. I mean, it was like this insanely exciting stage that was like nail biting down to the end. Um, women's racing is dynamic. It is, uh, it's aggressive. It's exciting. There's, there's, you know, 12 women that can win any day, you know, uh, the, the talent pool's deep and uh, it just, you know, it just needs a spotlight. And so like, you know, I, I just know come July, like they are going to bring it. It is going to be, uh, it's going to be so exciting and you're just going to have a lot of, a lot, uh, a lot more demand, you know, to, to see more. I mean, you know, as you know, we we're, we we're talking recently about like, you know, if you're a women's race fan, you're, you're often following races on Twitter. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, we just need, we need the cameras on the races. We need, uh, you know, we need to see the action. It's, it's great. Yeah. I mean, that's how you fall in love with the characters. And like you said, the characters are what make the racing and women's racing has the best characters. 
best characters, you know it. (laughs) (laughs) So on the kind of more, I guess I wouldn't, mm, I would maybe say controversial side, but like a little bit more of, yeah. The, um, as far as the like complete parody across men's and women's that happens on Zwift, not really possible on the real, on the real road. So for the women's race, they, you know, don't have the 200 kilometer long stages and they don't have the 21 days. Mm -hmm. Now on the freewheeling podcast, we don't like the long stages. We're not fans. (laughs) So how do you feel about that kind of coming from the Zwift side and then trying to grow into the road side? Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, I think that the women have the opportunity to introduce a much more consumable, exciting format. Honestly, I think the Tour de France is way too long. The stages are way too, who watches a full Tour de France stage? Maybe in the background, you know? Um, I think that, you know, First of all, like the teams, you know, we've, we've talked to teams and riders. They don't want that, not especially not the first year. Maybe we build up to a multi-week, you know, event, you know, if, they, if, if that's what they want, if that's what the audiences want. Um, but I don't think just because that's the way it's always been done, that that's why we should do it. And so to me, it's it's more about what creates the what creates the best opportunity uh, for, for the best race, um, for the best action, um, for, for, to create the most fans, you know? Um, and, you know, I think from everything we've heard, you know, the, the women's pro Peloton is super excited about this format. Um, and, and the stages are not short. They are like, you know, pretty much like 110 to 170. Um, and they're challenging and they are dramatic and, and pretty fierce. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, a lot of people kind of want to talk about like kind of the women are doing less than this or less than that. And I think it's kind of more than it's like, it's going to be more action, more exciting, better TV. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I'm very excited about this format. I don't think, uh, I don't think the teams or racers would want to jump into like a three week stage. They're not built that way. The men's teams have been built for grand tours, you know, for the last hundred years. You know, that's just not how women's teams have been formed. And maybe, you know, if that's where it goes, maybe, you know, it evolved to that, but also maybe, maybe the men's sort of France will, will, you know, adjust a little bit in terms of, uh, of a shorter format. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to cut stages, you know, it's very, very traditional, but I will say that there's a big trend in sports right now for, you know, a little bit shorter, more action. You know, so we'll see. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about that. You know, all the feedback we've heard has been really great. Yeah. I mean, I agree 100%. I mean, I think like the, the one thing that always gets me, um, with the internet, uh, warriors is them demanding longer stages, more stages. And the women are like, no, 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 (laughs) That's That's what I always say. Just talk to the women's pro Peloton, please, you know, talk to the women's pro Peloton, what they want, you know? Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think it's, I think it's a great first year format. Honestly, I think it's fantastic and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, definitely. So are you going to be on the ground in France? Oh my God. I am going to be the loudest, wildest fan, maybe costumes. I know. I don't, but I will not run alongside them and no signs, but I, uh, I cannot, I cannot wait to be there. I am probably going to cry several times when they're, you know, standing on the Champs-Élysées holding a tiger, um, or sorry, lion, <laughs> a tiger. Maybe the women get a tiger. I mean, that would be um, sweet. 
That would be kind of sweet. You know, (laughs) we're doing things differently, guys. We got stripes. It's going to be great. Um, I just know, like uh, getting to know the women's Peloton even more and more the last few years, especially this new crop of of riders, it's, uh, they are going to be, they're going to take advantage of this opportunity and the stages are going to be electric. And I think that this is a, this is going to be a huge start to, uh, seeing a lot more women's racing. Is there any of the eight stages that gave you like extra goosebumps and you're really oh, excited to watch? Gravel. <laughs> gravel, gravel. I mean, that's nuts. That's going to be crazy. I mean, and and you could see like at, after the presentation, some of the girls were really salivating over that, you know, uh, really excited about that. And others were like, what? <laughs> but uh, I think it's, you know, I think it's very, uh, very modern, very, very on trend. Um, and it's going to, it's going to be some great action. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's kind of the stage that's going to be like the the age old saying, you can't win it, but you can lose it. Yes. I also think like they're going to be starting at the Eiffel Tower the first day. That's going to be pretty iconic. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's just going to be some real moments. I mean, we saw the images coming from Perry Roubaix, you know, and you know how those, I mean, I know you, you felt the same as I did. It was just like goosebumps. Oh and man, like, I, I, I like cried so hard. So many times, yeah. like so many times during that race. And like at the end, you know, I just... Ah, and, and to have like Lizzie, a mom win it, like it just, it just showed me so much of the dimension of women's cycling and how exciting it is. And so you think about all those photos and and those, that, that coverage, and you think about what can happen at the Tour de France, you know, and, uh, it's, it's going to be really exciting. Hey, and that race was under three hours. (laughs) Thank you. Fantastic race. So unfortunately, you know, the coverage wasn't quite enough to see all the action, but true, true. Uh, yeah, but you know, I think, yeah, I, I think it's going to be, you got to start somewhere, you know, exactly. You got to start somewhere. And, uh, this is a great start. This is going to be a big one. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Hopefully I get to see you on the ground next year. Absolutely. I better see you on the ground. It's always a pleasure. I couldn't miss it. <laughs> no, it's going to be, I, I'm excited like just to, the, the fans, it's going to be so awesome, you yeah. know, to see the, the, the courses lined with fans. Definitely. Mm-hmm.